Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. And it's been a few weeks since the last time I was here. I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) It's coming at a point now where I try to be as consistent as humanly possible in order to record a podcast episode. But it's one of those things where I can't just force it now. I really have to be in the mood, in the zone for me to do it. And apparently it's been going on since a lot of times whenever I want to talk about something new or exciting... Something happens that just gets me out of the funk. Something happens where either a bad movie happens and I'm just too depressed to talk about it. Or life just gets in the way and I have to contend with that. To give you a brief update in terms of what's been going on with me, I am no longer part of WABC. Now, I honestly don't remember if I mentioned this before in my last episode... But if I have, then I'm just going to repeat it again. I left the company. I did not agree with the working environment that was going on behind the scenes. And there was just so much stuff that was just building and building. And I'm at the point now where I'm just focusing so much more on myself, on my voiceover business, my secondary podcast. By the way, the second podcast is called Journey to the Mic with Mike Garcia. So, you know. Just want to throw that out there. Want to give a little plug in with that. And literally just primarily focusing on my business. It's like I said. And I really want to get better. And I'm trying to get better. And I want to establish a great clientele. And establish a great, you know, business for myself. So that's pretty much where I've been. And not to mention I've had... I personally didn't have a loss. But a great friend of mine did have a loss... Um, They ended up losing their dog and, you know, it's kind of been somewhat emotional for me too because I've taken care of this dog for about a good few years and it sucks. It sucks when you're losing pets. It sucks when you're losing, you know, life that essentially is like a member of a family, but, you know, she was a great dog. She really was and I don't want to harper too much onto this because... (laughs) Like, I'm trying not to get emotional, but I'm back. You know, let's let's turn the let's turn the negative into the positive. I'm back. You know, she she's resting eternally now. And it is what it is. You know, it's life and something that we just have to accept and move on with. But, you know, there is there is that. In any case, last weekend was the last weekend or the weekend prior two weeks ago, two weeks ago. I did see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and the funny thing about it was I actually recorded a podcast episode in my spoiler-free review last week, and I wanted to release it then and right then and there. But then as I thought more and more about it, I thought, you know what? Let me give it a little bit more time. Let me get a little bit more time for people... Ooh, that's my stomach. Let me give a little bit more time for people to actually watch the movie 
get into it and if they've seen it, you know, whether they like it or dislike it or whatever the case may be. And when I gave the review last week, I vaguely was speaking about the things that I enjoyed, but I was harpering more on the things that I didn't like. And I thought, you know what, let me give a little bit more time for you, the listener, to actually watch the movie so that way I can go into spoiler territory, whether it's mild spoilers or full spoilers or whatever the case may be. With that being said, this review is going to be mild spoilers, so I'm not going to get too heavy into it, but right off the bat, I will say I absolutely loved the movie. Yes, it has its flaws. Yes, it is a mess, but I absolutely loved it. And I'm going to explain more about that in the second half of the podcast. I know I'm jumping around here a little bit, but I kind of want to address this real quick. A few friend of a few friends of mine asked me, "Why have I not talked about the Marvel's trailer? Why have I not talked about the Secret Invasion trailer? Why have I not talked about the, you know, uh Blue Beetle trailer that's coming out in August?" And you know me, I'm honest and I am forthright in coming. And I have to say, I just didn't give a shit. <laughs> I watched the trailers and none of them wowed me to the point where I'm like, oh my God, this is a must see right now. I didn't care. I did not care. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're kind of out of at the point now where we're expecting the same formula in every single thing that we see. For example, with Blue Beetle, to me, it's Spider-Man and Iron Man put together looking like the Giver. Do you remember the Giver from the 90s? Oh my god, that's probably my first anime that I've ever watched. You know, brutal, brutal (laughs) anime from back then in the day. Definitely not for kids, but it reminded me of that. Like, Giver, Dark Hero... The the suit looks incredible, and that's literally about it. <laughs> I really didn't have much to say about it because I watched the trailer, and I'm like, all right, I guess I'll go see it, and if I have a great time, I have a great time. You know, this is, the movie was made pre-James <laughs> Gunn taking over DC, so it's at the point where it's kind of still a part of the Zack Snyder universe. And the funny thing about it is that the Flash or the Flashpoint movie is going to happen way before then. So you can kind of say that the events of this movie doesn't really matter. It's more of a one-off type thing, but I don't want to be a Debbie Downer about it. <laughs> it is what it is. It, it is what it is. And when the movie comes out, I'll go watch it. Me and my girlfriend will still watch it and we'll talk about it and then we'll see what happens. And if we enjoy it, we enjoy it. Secret Invasions, the show on the Disney Plus, the next phase, or the not the next phase, but the next entry for Disney Plus and the MCU and Marvel. I it it is what it is. Again, <laughs> I'm gonna be saying that a lot today. It is what it is. I watched the trailer, and it's Nick Fury basically stopping uh, an alien invasion without the help of the Avengers, without the team, without anything he's pretty much on on his own with maria hill and it's basically these two and of course the agents it's essentially the agents of shield or what's left of them because shield got destroyed and maybe him joining up with sword taking on the scrolls 
taking on whoever it is that needs to be taken care of. It's as simple as that. And once again, the show is going to be six episodes long. So it's going to be six weeks that we're going to see it. And it's at the point now where, once again, I just don't care. (laughs) It's funny because I'm supposed to be this diehard comic book guy when it comes to movies and shows. But I'm not going to lie. Because of what happened and what's been happening with Marvel Phase 4, my interest level, my hype level has diminished greatly. And that, in a way, perfectly segue into the Marvel's trailer. I must have watched that trailer numerous times. And there's something about it where I'm like, I just don't care. And I'm not the only one feeling this way. Now, before you go on a rant and say, oh, I'm a bigot, I'm a misogynist, I'm this and that and blah, blah, blah. Just think about this for a moment. Do you honestly believe for one second, for one second, that the Marvel fan base is going to try to watch a show that is not a watch show, watch a movie that is obligated to watch a movie to pay attention to a few characters that either people don't know or people don't like. Case in point, let's go with Miss Marvel. The pinnacle of what a diehard comic book fan is supposed to be, the pinnacle of what a superhero is supposed to be, trying to do good, trying to save the world, or at least save the town or save whatever she needs to save. And yet, guess what? A lot of people did not watch her show. In fact, I truly believe, not that I truly believe, but online as it stands, she has the lowest rating viewership on Disney Plus within the MCU. That says a lot. Aside from the fact that the show has no idea who the audience is and has no idea who they're catering for or the the show is catering towards to, none of it matters because a lot of people didn't watch it. So imagine a diehard Marvel fan that only watches the movies. And we were told from the very get-go from many, many times that we should not watch a show with to fill in the easter eggs or to fill in the gaps of what happens with the movies yet we've seen many times with doctor strange we've seen with most likely with captain captain america 4 that's going to be debuting either next year or the year after we're under an obligation to watch these shows in order to fill in the blanks unfortunately a lot of people don't do that a lot of people are not like that so they're going to be going in And watching a movie with these three characters with one of them is going to be like, well, who the hell is this? Now, if you're relying on the knowledge that we should know who Miss Marvel is based on the comics, based on the Avengers video game that sucked ass completely, based on just history in general, then that's pretty much like a small piece of the gigantic pie Of what you're calling your audience. So there's that. Then we have Captain Rambo. Which once again. A lot of people did not watch WandaVision. And if they did watch WandaVision. You should know that she said that one line. Where she goes. Something along the lines of. They'll never know who you. They'll never know what you sacrificed for them. Something along those lines. They'll they'll never know what you sacrificed yourself for. 
She's saying that to a character that enslaved and tortured numerous amounts of people, trapping them in an alternate reality or in, in like a you know, like a Matrix type of scenario while they were suffering and pleading for them to either get released, be free, or fucking die. If you don't remember that, go ahead on YouTube and watch what I'm talking about. There are numerous amounts of videos that depicts this very, very greatly. And then, last but not least, you have Miss Plank herself, Captain Marvel. Now... I already said my approach on Captain Marvel numerous times already, so I'm not going to beat up a dead horse about this. But let's be honest, Brie Larson has not really shown herself in good light or in good faith to the fans for the simple reason that it stems to her being on that podium, promoting some other movie, and she said something along the lines of, this movie is not made for white people doesn't matter what the context is, doesn't matter what you mean, doesn't matter how you said it, the point of the matter is, we are at an age right now, and even though I don't agree it, it's what I've accepted. We're at an age right now where anything you say literally can be used against you and you can get canceled. And the fans can turn on you very, very quickly. And once you have that hate base, there's no coming back from that. I've argued this, I believe in my last episode, I've argued that there's a strong chance Marvel, the entirety of Marvel, has kind of screwed her career up because she was advocating for equal rights and equal opportunity and equity and everything else to happen with these characters and the workload for African American women and diversity and everything else that goes on in between. But yet... The Marvels, which is supposed to be her sequel, she's now taking a back seat from that. If you rewatch the trailer, you can literally see in the fighting stands where they're facing off against the female Ronin, the Destroyer, whoever the hell she is. She's literally on the sidelines. So, <laughs> I know I'm talking about it now, but can you tell me? more or less, that the Marvels is going to be awesome, it's going to be great? I beg to differ. I beg to differ. But yes, (laughs) all in a nutshell, that's the main reason why I have not watched, I've not reviewed any of these trailers up until right now, because I'm talking about it. I just didn't care. Now, I've spoken long and long about that. Let's dive into... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and I have a whole bunch of things to say about that, and we'll be right back right after this. You know, if there's one thing that I can truly reiterate over and over is the fact that this movie was fantastic. I absolutely love this movie. Now, granted, I understand there are flaws. And once again, we're going to get into that with some mild spoilers. But this movie made me feel something. 
It made me feel with, with the themes of compassion and friendship and acceptance. This movie made me feel and made me realize why I love these characters from the very get go. I couldn't really tell if the main beginning, if the main beginning, if the main start of how these characters were brought into the MCU. Because if you remember, no one knew about these characters. At least a lot of people did not. And I think what resonates me and so many people towards these characters is the fact that they're misfits. They're outcasts. They're outliers. They are so different from the traditional superhero trope that we are used to seeing long since the dawn of time. When people talk about superheroes, they think usually the top three. You know, you got the Batmans, you got the Spider-Mans, you got the Supermans, you know, you got the, you, the usually those main three, usually. Or X-Men, you got Wolverine, you got Cyclops, and you got Storm, you know, the X-Men characters, you know, the traditional ones. But yet, when it comes to superhero teams, what do we think about? We think of the Avengers, we think of the Justice League. We think of the Defenders, maybe not as often, but we think of them. We think of the Justice Society of America. You know, we think about all these teams, the Fantastic Four, for example. We think about all these teams within a Marvel or DC or any type of franchise, but yet Guardians of the Galaxy weren't really as relevant until right now. This movie made me feel, I had a gut-wrenching feeling. Maybe it was because of the trailers that were happening. And let's face it, a lot of the trailers were definitely misleading. So the fact that this movie is all about Rocket Raccoon. Rocket Raccoon, by far, I would say is now a top 5 MCU character. Next to... Tony Stark's Iron Man next to Steve Rogers' Captain America. Rocket Raccoon, in my opinion, is probably a top five MCU character because his character has so much depth in terms of how he was created and what made him become what he is and how easily it is for him to bounce off with other characters in any of the particular films. I believe this is a sixth appearance that appeared within the MCU. If you're introducing and including, obviously, Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. And I believe there was one more that he was a part of. Oh, Thor. Love and Thunder. But, again, this is Rocket Raccoon's movie. And the tradition of the... The tradition of the... I can always keep saying weird things like that. The main plot of this entire movie is the fact that something happens to him, he gets hurt, and he is on the brink of death. And it's up to the Guardians that is basically on a mission to try to help and revive him. When in reality, it's really about Rocket Raccoon, and the most important scenes of the entire movie are pretty much the flashbacks. The flashback sequences that you have with Rocket and his animal companions, his animal friends, where you have, you know, Lila and Teefs and Floor and Rocket. Literally the best and the only important element of the entire movie. And the sad thing is the movie 
being two and a half hours, those flashbacks, if you put them all together, there were about 10 minutes of footage with that. I have never felt, not never felt, it's been a while since I felt a gut-wrenching feeling, probably since Spider-Man No Way Home. Probably since what happened with Avengers Infinity War, or Endgame, where you just see beloved characters die. And the reality is, this movie makes you feel something. Now I'm going to introduce other elements as well, you know, you feel something when you see the love of Rocket's life, Lila, literally gets shot and dies in front of his eyes. Like I said, these are my spoilers, so let me continue. You feel something with that. You feel the emotional toll that it takes for Peter Quill to drink himself literally, not to the point of death, that's a little exaggeration, but to the fact that he is no longer going to be with Gamora, and by the time that he is, she's just not the same person as she used to be. You feel something when you see Mantis and Nebula argue back and forth, back and forth, because Mantis is trying to help humanize Nebula in terms of that she can't do or say certain things that she's been doing. You feel something. And that's what this movie genuinely makes you feel. You feel compassion. You feel empathy. You feel that you're connected to these characters because, let's face it, James Gunn, this is James Gunn dialed to 11 on this one. This is James Gunn's full control, essentially his last movie within the Marvel within the MCU, within Marvel as a whole, essentially his very last movie, this is James Gunn putting his all in 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 terms of this movie from the characters that he loves so much, the practical effects, the digital effects, the visual effects, even though we've been hearing for so long that the visual effects team have been working to the bone, but... The fact that this movie is genuinely made by people that are just passionate about the movie. They're passionate about the characters. They're passionate about the story. They're passionate about every single thing from start to finish. And you can see it. You can see in the emotional toll when you see Peter Quill, and this is from the trailers as well, when you see Peter Quill literally holding Rocket's body And you see that there's a strong chance that his quote-unquote best friend, and I'm going to get into that in a bit too, his quote-unquote best friend is literally dying right in front of him. You feel something. And the creators of the movie from the storyteller, the script writers, James Gunn, script writers, even though this was made, written, and directed by James Gunn, this is James Gunn movie. And every single thing that has happened in terms of the storyboard, the colors, the visual effects, this was made by people that loved this IP, that loved this project. There's no way that I can say anything about it. You can include the comedy, you include the humoristic tone that this movie has, but this is a very somber movie. 
And even though it is a lot for people to handle, because let's face it, let's face it, this might be a little bit too much for kids to see. This might be too much for animal lovers to see. Because like I said, it makes you feel something. But James Gunn did not hold back with this movie. And I can appreciate the love and the passion that he has poured in terms of making this entire thing. Now, I went on and on about what I did enjoy. But I'm going to talk about what I didn't enjoy as well. Because let's face it. As much as I love this movie, it is a mess. It is a mess. Um, there's no sugarcoating about that. The tones are all over the place. There are the entire second act to me is like a one gigantic side mission or side quest. If you take away the majority of the second act, nothing changes in the movie. And at times when you watch a film, when you watch a movie, when you watch anything, and if you take away certain elements, whether it's an act, whether it's a plot point, whether it's a character, whether it's a uh, plot convenience, whatever the case may be, whatever you take out, if the movie does not change because of what you've taken out, then what you're essentially telling me and telling the audience that what you're doing is just putting in filler. And in a way, that's kind of a hindrance against the movie itself. Now, is the movie as good as the previous two movies? No. And I don't want to say it's the worst of the three because I feel like that's a negative connotation when I say that. It's not as good as the previous two movies. Is it better than the majority of what we've gotten with Marvel Phase 4? Absolutely. But once again, it's almost a hindrance against the movie itself because this is essentially its own movie. It's not really an MCU movie, if that makes any sense. Like, it takes place within the MCU, but it's not treated like an MCU movie. It's treated like its own film with its own IP in its own variety, in its own world, in its own assets of what it is. I hope I'm making myself very clear. If I'm not, then I do apologize for that. I don't enjoy the ending. I didn't like the ending at all. Because to me, it just felt rushed. Slight spoilers once again. This movie is essentially the last time that we're actually seeing the Guardians of the Galaxy together as a group. So when... Oh, my stomach's rumbling. My stomach is getting rumbling and then my tumbling. So once again, this is essentially the last time that we see these characters together as a group. So when the ending happened and everyone is going their separate ways, it felt forced and it felt out of left field to me. We have one scene... Not one scene. We have the situation where Peter Quill returns to Earth for him to be with his grandfather. We've never heard of that before in the previous two movies. He's never mentioned him once in the previous two movies. And if he and if he did, if he did, I'll give credit here. If he did mention him once or twice, I have completely missed it. Because not once has that been mentioned in any way, shape, or form. 
Oh, we got a plane going on. Freaking got planes all over and <laughs> there's that. We've never ever mentioned them in any way, shape, or form. We have Mantis where she goes out of nowhere and she's like something along the lines of my entire life I've done what my father wanted me to do. My entire life I've done what the Guardians wanted me to do. Now it's time for me to see what I want to do. Okay, valid point, valid reasons. You've never stated anything about being your own person. You've never stated anything about having a journey for yourself, some soul searching. You've never stated anything about independence. You've never stated anything about traveling the universe, traveling the solar system, anything. You've never established that. Yet, somehow, in some way, you decide, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. Because the script is telling me to. Okay, this comes out of left field. You have Drax. Which, I will say, his arc has been completed. Now, I wouldn't say completed, but... It's so weird because how he is, he's a family man, sort of. He mentioned his wife and his daughter who were killed by Thanos, briefly got mentioned again in volume two, and now he's taking care of these kids. These kids that were captive and basically he is now a father figure to them. Okay, so we can say for a, br for a brief moment that that is his arc. What's Nebula's arc? What's that to help him take care of these innocent people? She's never been like that before. Yeah, she was a tool for use to destroy. And she was essentially a, you know, um, a tool for Thanos. What's her arc? That she wants a family? That she wants to be accepted? That she... Again... There are there's a lot about this. The, the ending just did not make sense to me. It felt forced and it felt contrived. And it just felt like every person's motivation to do what they do just came out of nowhere. Adam Warlock. Let's talk about him because I almost completely forgot about him. Again, this goes back to what I said. If you take away certain plot points or certain characters or certain things, does it change the movie? It really doesn't. Adam Warlock in this movie kind of felt like, oh, wow, we actually introduced them at the ending and the post credit scene for Volume 2, but we have no idea what to do with him, so let's just put him in and have him be this dumb idiot instead of this superior being that we know him from the comics. So it's like, all right, well, why should I care? <laughs> like, why should I care about him? I will say, though, the High Evolutionary, probably one of the best villains that I've ever seen from the MCU by far. He is a straight-up dick, sort of this mad scientist type of a role. And I'm willing to bet my bottom dollar that the executives at Marvel or whoever is going to be like, well, he's actually a variant of Kang. He's actually a variant of Kang. 
because let's face it, they still have no idea what they're going to do with Jonathan Majors with the whole thing of what's happening with him. They have no clue. Let's be honest here. They really don't. And if the script says that this is a variant of Kang, then we have no choice but to accept them as a variant of Kang. Oh my god. That's it's just this. Overall, it's like I said, the movie has its flaws. It does. It has its flaws. But I will say, I will say, it is still enjoyable. If you turn off your brain and you actually appreciate the movie for what it is, no doubt you'll have a good time. I gave this movie a strong 8 out of 10. I wanted to go higher, but with all the flaws that this movie has and the fact that it's not as good as the previous two, I will say that it, it, it gets like an 8 out of 10, at least for me. Before I go, because we're now nearing the end of the podcast episode, before I go, I want to answer this question that is on the minds of a lot of people. Is this movie an MCU savior? Will this get the MCU back on track? Is the MCU officially back in creating great, quality, awesome content? And I'm sorry to disappoint you, but my answer to that is no. For the main two reasons. Number one, the opening did not have a high... It did not bring in as much money as the previous movie did, Volume 2. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that because of what went on with Marvel Phase 4, there are a lot of people at this point that are just done. They're done with the MCU. They're done with Marvel. You know? And the fact that you can take a James Gunn movie like this that is so different from everything that we've seen thus far, not in its entirety, thus far, in the past couple of years, it's more of an anomaly if you truly think about it. Not to mention, and I said in the beginning of this episode, we still have to wait for Secret Invasions and we still have to wait for for, I was about to say Captain Marvel too. <laughs> we still have to wait for the Marvels to see how they're going to basically deliver. And if they don't, the MCU is essentially done. Despite the fact what's going to happen with Phase 5, dis- continuing with Phase 5, despite the fact what's going to happen with Phase 6, Marvel has to do so much more than rely on James Gunn's movie to get themselves out of their messy situation. And at this point, it's just a waiting game. It's just a waiting game. But that is it. That is all we have for this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am trying to see if I can knock these episodes out every Friday as long as I obviously am not busy. If anything, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can hit me up. Voice of Garcia on my Twitter, Mike Garcia VO on my Instagram. And by all means, like, subscribe, share this podcast. And I would love to hear what you think. I would love to let me know. Let me know what you think about the movie. If there's anything that you want to change, if you think there's a better movie or a better adaptation of the movie, if there's anything that you would want differently, by all means, let me know. We can have an interesting discussion. In a couple of weeks, I cannot wait 
for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I can't wait to see that movie. I've already bought the tickets and it is coming out June 2nd. And I believe, if memory serves me correctly, I believe The Flash, or we should just call it The Flashpoint at this point. <laughs> yeah, get it? Yeah, it's over redundant. The Flash is coming out two weeks later after that, so I'm definitely going to be watching that. And that's all. That's about it. That's all there is to it. So, once again, when it comes to games, news, movies, shows, whatever the case may be, Always remember, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Man, I'm getting a little rusty. Gotta get back to my roots, I swear. But that's it, guys. Tune in next time where we will talk about everything and anything that is comic book related. At least in the movies and TV shows. As of right now, I am done. I am through. Peace out.